You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. Welcome to the time of the Red Chumba. The mega corporation spent decades wrecking everything, and in the aftermath of their last war, everyone has to fend for themselves. But that's just fine. You can handle it. After all, in a world of vicious booster gangs, rampaging cyborgs, corporate assassins, and nihilistic doomsday cults, there's only one rule. Always take it to the edge. Take big risks. Get big rewards. Be the action. Start the rebellion. Light the fire. Never drive slow when you can blaze a trail. You've hooked your Militech pistol to the interface in your brain, upgrade your cybernetic fists with carboglass blades, and installed cyber eyes that could pierce through the red haze like a morning fog. There's a world full of opportunities out there, just waiting for the right edge runner. Maybe that's you. Welcome to Tabletop Arcanum. I'm Justin, and today we are so happy to do a review of the brand new Cyberpunk Red. This is the latest Cyberpunk game put out by Artalzorian Games in coordination with CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk 2077 come out. It is a new, cleaner, updated, modern version of Cyberpunk. You may be familiar with Cyberpunk 2020 already, which has been around for many years and has many supplements for it. We did our review of the Jumpstart, Cyberpunk Red Jumpstart kit, which was kind of a top-down, lighter version of this. This is the full book, though, that we are taking a look at today. So MSRP on this one is $60, and it weighs in at 456 pages. So it's definitely a thicker, heavier RPG book. It does include player information, GM information, and a ton of lore go into more details when I talk about the goods, the bads, the uglies on it, but it is kind of a all-in-one book, not a one-in-three book, which you're looking at dicing up, you know, what the players get, what the GM or DM gets, and then a critter or mook book. So my first impression of Cyberpunk Red is this thing bleeds theme and lore and all the stuff that you're looking for. If you're excited for Cyberpunk 2077, this is something just got me in the fix and, and got me more in-depth in the lore and the world. But ultimately, it's just a fantastic book. They have three short stories sprinkled throughout that give you a little bit more idea of what's going on in the world. I guess the more important thing I should back up a little bit and say Cyberpunk 2020 is set in the year 2020 in this fictional cyber dystopian-esque world. Red takes it to 2045, and that's the current RPG timeline setting. And then furthermore, it's tied to the Cyberpunk 2077 video game, which is set in 2077. It's part of the lore and background and was co-designed alongside with the Cyberpunk 2077 video game. So whether you're playing the video game or the RPG, it all kind of blends together in a cohesive universe, which is one of the things that made me most fascinating about this. Red started development back in 2013, side by side with the video game. Even in the introduction, Mike Pondsmith, the creator of the Cyberpunk RPG, talks about how he was approached by CD Projekt Red and kind of went down a rabbit hole from there. It's really neat in that sense. Let me go over some of the good things I like about it. All throughout the book, there are references to different places. So early on, it's the big screech of, do you want to know more about cyberware? Do you want to know more about Neocorps? Do you want to know more about Night City itself or the gangs? And all of them are like, go to this page 
page, go to that page, go to this page. So the book is trying to show you, like, if this is what you want to read, go here. So for quick reference, there's a lot of that. One of the other really big things between each chapter, we have scream sheets and things to just kind of immerse yourself in the world. Things to remember when you're looking at Cyberpunk, though. It is definitely an edgy game because the four rules of Cyberpunk are style over substance, attitudes, everything, live on the edge, and break the rules. And if you're following that mode of it's gonna feel like edgelords all over the place, it's gonna feel like a game that's running on pure octane, and it is, and it's supposed to feel that way. And if you're doing cyberpunk right, that's what you should be feeling. One other thing that the book does, and I think it's a fantastic method, and I want to see more RPGs kind of adopt this, is there's three paths or three kind of ways to build your character in a cyberpunk game. Street rats, edge runners, and complete packages are what they call them, but essentially it's a template, a fast and dirty method, or a full-blown calculated everything you pick is part of that. And they have little tags all over the place of like, this is for street, this is for edge, this is for complete. And the other tags that you're going to see in the margins are data, which again are trying to point you to other points that are more interesting. One of my favorite examples was, one section was talking about possibly where you might find something, and then it mentions the, the night markets, and it's like, well, if you want to know more about night markets, turn to page X. And that is so super helpful. That's like my first impressions of the book, is like, the entire book is designed for you at a gaming table to be able to go where you need to go in this almost 500 page book fast dirty and get you playing again so for those rules checks for those inventory lookups it tries to get you back out of the book as fast as possible and that is super awesome so things it does well i love the cyberpunk system for the most part it's your attribute plus your skill plus a d10 that's it then you're going against a difficulty number you succeed you succeed if you don't you don't much like most rpgs out there it's pretty cut and dry in that Combat runs very much the same way. Damage runs very much the same way. It's a simple rule set, though there are rules for lots of different things, which is also really nice about it. I was laughing when I was going through it and seeing some of the systems and getting my impression of the genre in the book. They have rules for grappling, which most do, but I don't know another RPG that I've read that has rules of how to use a human shield. It sounds atrocious, and it kind of is, but it's something that would happen in the world, so it would mechanically make sense for them to figure out, like, this is how it would work. One of the more things that I found impressive is a lot of the charts can appear and do appear in multiple places. For example, there is a whole section about getting injured, and it goes into, okay, here's the critical hits and injury tables, and here's how that works, and then a chapter or two later, it starts talking about healing and the trauma teams, and those same charts appear there. So if you're looking for injuries, and if you're looking for how to heal injuries, or how injuries are inflicted, both sections have you covered with the appropriate charts that you're going to be looking for. Likewise, cyberware. All characters start with some level, even if it's basic, cyberware. Well, it's in the character creation section, but it's also in the market section later on in the book where everything gets a little bit more compiled for your at-the-table use. So it's all of that combined with the fact that the art and the layout of the book is very clean. So you're not trying to necessarily find stuff and then having to dig and find nooks and crannies. It's very well laid out in that sense. The front half of the book is very character-driven and very much like, okay, this is the roles you're going to be, here's the things about the roles, here's more details about that, now you need gear, so here's the gear that you're going to be looking at for those roles, depending on which way you're building your character, and here's a cyberware for that, and then your derived stats, and like it just keeps going into all that, and I love the layout for that. One other section really called out to me, because I'm a, I wouldn't say perma-GM, but I GM a lot more than I typically end up playing, but their GM section focuses on how 
how to make a cyberpunk story a cyberpunk story. What things you have to keep in on over the years as Mike Pondsmith and everything has. It's things like make sure you keep it personal. That's important. Make sure it's always street level. This is not a game about heroics per se. It's really about getting paid and trying to survive the next day. There's always kind of a noir caper aspect to it. And then pacing. Pacing is such a big thing with a cyberpunk genre that there is, I want to say it's like a dozen pages. I didn't get it. I didn't actually count, but there's a lot of pages dedicated to, in a session, in a story, how to keep your beat, how to keep going, to make sure that you're hitting your tones, you're hitting things right, and it's going through in a way that's going to feel cyberpunk. You even talk about things, you know, and, and a lot of RPGs will do this too. They talk about like, okay, mood lighting, music, like you want to play like heavy rock in the background. You want to turn your lights blue. I may advise against that personally based on just where you play. You may actually want to be able to read dice and read notes and stuff. But there's two big things in an RPG book that stood out to me in this one. One I haven't seen in a very long time. And another I don't know if I've ever seen before. In the Artelsorian group made this a very gender neutral book. Everything is you, yours, your GM, your character, you as the player, or players. It never really aligns any sort of gender terms to those. The only time I've actually found gender terms was either in the narrative stories or flavor text sidebars. And that's because it's talking about a gendered character or it's talking about something in that vein. So accessibility and awareness of that is so awesome to see. There's so many times you'll see in a lot of older RPGs, he, him pronouns used predominantly. More current or slightly more modern RPGs than that started using he, she, and, and including the feminine pronouns as well. But it's not universal. It's not taken to the level of, well, let's just make it neutral. You, like, let's face it, you are reading this book. Whoever you are, or they, or them, it's okay. On the other piece of the book that I really did enjoy, and this is again from the GM's perspective, it's in the IP or improvement point section. It talks about how there are four buckets that most players fall into, and you have your warriors, your explorers, your socializers, and your role players. And I've been at tables with all these types of roles before, and I can literally call out people like, you are this, you are that, because I've seen it all in that sense. And some people are hybrids and mixes, but you figure out what they predominantly are, and you award your experience or your IP based on what they're doing with their typical play style. So if it is a munchkin-style warrior player who likes fighting, who likes doing so, they're going to get XP by doing the things that they're going to naturally do in a game. Same thing with role players. If they're very heavy character development, very heavy like using voices and all that fun stuff, they're going to get stuff based on that. If they give you a heroic speech at the table, which I have seen players do, they're going to be getting points for that. And that's awesome. And explorers, like the people who are like, well, let's look at the data sheet. So let's look at the screen sheet. You know, let's talk to people. Let's go to that club. Like, let's explore the world and the lore. They get XP for that. Or IP for that, I should say. And socializers are kind of that weird hybrid. And it's neat because they're the ones that are making connections, telling jokes, sharing stories, taking notes, and are looking to contribute to the success of the game in the session. They're not necessarily there for themselves. They're there for the social aspects of RPG. And they get their IP from doing stuff like that. I love it for all that. The other big piece I do enjoy is life paths. I've seen this in other RPGs before, but they use random tables and a flowchart. You can also select each box, but it gives you a way to build a cyberpunk-based background that has maybe some friends, maybe some enemies, maybe some tragic things that have happened in your character's background. Stuff that is literally what I call GM fuel and tidbits and stuff that is awesome. Now there's the basics, and then your role gets another set, which you end up going through both for, for each character, so not only 
why your character is a cyberpunk, but then, you know, if they are a Netrunner, the Netrunner specific stuff, if they're a Rocker Boy, Rocker Boy stuff. So all of that is brilliant, and I, I love it for it because I've seen it in a couple games, and most of the games that really pay attention to that enhance the experience by so much. I never really saw it until, like, Dungeons & Dragons backgrounds in 5th edition had a little bit of this, but then when they put the Xanther guards and, and they kind of made, like, how do you make your flesh out your background? That's the stuff that we're talking about here. The Star Trek Adventure game has, like, okay, so what did you do in Starfleet? Were you actually part of a first encounter? Like, all of that is really, really critical to why your character is the way they are. And that's also the GM fuel of, like, well, they were part of this, or they did have this enemy, or they were part, uh, it's a rocker boy, they were part of a band, but the band kicked them out, or why did they kick them out? Maybe they had an ego that the band didn't mesh with, and now they're moving on, and now you can bring that band in as an adversary or a foil to the rocker boy, or maybe that band really needs them back, all sorts of stuff. And then the lore in the book is just all over the place. It's detailed. One of the other great layout features is you have a bullet point history section of what happened from early 90s to 2045 and then breakouts of what those bullet points really mean so if you really want to learn more about the third corporate war there's a section that expands upon oh the third corporate war wasn't just between these two corps but this is how it broke out this is how the tone of the war and this is what happened and, and consequences thereof all that being said cyberpunk red is a wonderfully modern rpg book that bleeds theme and bleeds narrative interest the opportunities in the book are going to be the same problems I have with a lot of RPGs. There's a lot crammed in this book and it needs supplements to expand upon the lore. Net running and the net, especially the post net, is a cool mechanic for one specific character and they have systems in there for net running. But it's a little on the vague side because what used to be net running in Cyberpunk 2020 is not true anymore because the net broke. Which is a good thing because now it's not heavily laced in systems but it's not expanded deep enough in this book to really get a full grasp on it. I'm hoping that the Cyberpunk 2077 video game has a little bit more of that so that if you can combine those two elements you can actually see what Netrunning looks like and experience it in the RPG. The only other possible inclusion, they have an index which is going to be a pretty good reference. The character sheet is actually pretty straightforward. It's very text heavy which is going to be my one kind of issue on it more so than a lot of other RPGs because you also have a sheet about all your cyberware. So it's not a crunchy game like Shadowrun will be, but it is still crunchier than, say, 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons game. It's not going to be as option-intensive as a Pathfinder game. It hits this weird medium blend of a little bit of everything, which is not necessarily a good thing, not necessarily a bad thing, it's just what it is. Overall, for $60, you're getting a lot of value out of this book. Even if it is just a lore book to you for the Cyberpunk 2077 video game, there's so much in here. There's stories about Johnny Silverhand. There are stories about Alt. There are stories about the Nomads and the Wastelands. And all of that peppered throughout makes it interesting. The downside, I would say, to the book is because it's peppered throughout, it's hard to find one section that says, okay, this is what I need for everything, which is somewhat counteracted by things like the critical injury tables being in two spots, but it doesn't completely alleviate that. I would recommend Cyberpunk Red for any RPG group who would be interested in a Cyberpunk game and wants to do true Blade Runner Cyberpunk style dystopian with a little bit of crunch and figures but not too much to make it a game that engineers need to play. If you're interested in modern setting and a non-dystopian future but definitely a dark future, Cyberpunk is a game for you. 
If you like edgy, fun, high-style games, it's going to be great for you. If you're the type of RPG group that is not very keen on modern games, you're going to want to stay away from Cyberpunk. It is so modern, there's not a lick of magic whatsoever in the book. The closest thing you get is some of the net programs that you could battle as a netrunner are named like Demons and Hellhounds, but that's because it's trying to play on that edge. If you are a group who wants more adventure and wants more heroic moments in your game, Cyberpunk may not be the game for you at that point. It is definitely a more deadly system. It is definitely a more dangerous world. You are not really meant to survive it. I don't think it's as deadly as, say, Cult of Cthulhu, but it is definitely where it is recommended that you have at least a backup character in mind. It is recommended to the GM that you are trying to kill your characters. At most cons, Mike Pondsmith, the creator himself, will run the Mike Will Kill Your Character table. So that is all a thing to be aware of. If this sounds like it's the game for you, I definitely recommend checking it out. I do also recommend checking out and supporting your local friendly gaming store. And if they are a friendly retailer, ask them about the Bits and Mortar, which is a retailer program that allows them to give you a PDF of a purchased book. Cyberpunk Red is available on Bits and Mortar for that purpose. So you can get your PDF copy along with your physical copy. So you can have some quick references and options for yourself, depending if you're reading it on your laptop or computer, or if you're lugging your books around for normal. That being said, thank you for listening to Tabletop Arcanum's review of Cyberpunk Red. If you'd like to find us on our socials, we have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are also on YouTube and Twitch. This has been Justin. Thanks for listening. Happy gaming. Listening to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening.